بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم صل على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Alhamdulillah, we praise Allah Ta'ala for giving us the tawfiq to come here. Most of us are on vacation, we are off from work, from school, etc. We thank Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala for giving us this moment to come, listen to the khutbah, fulfill the obligatory duty that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has placed upon our shoulders, and get closer to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala through this means. We find ourselves at the end of the Gregorian year, 2022 and as I was mentioning last week we have a different calendar of course we have a different beginning of the year for us but nevertheless since we are utilizing this calendar we tend to make certain goals at the end of one year and the beginning of another a new chapter in our mind is beginning and thus we like to set goals for ourselves this in itself has a deep wisdom why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created all humans in this manner. It's not just you and I, but most people, they will make goals for themselves. They see where they are, they have an image in their minds where they want to go, and thus they will make certain steps to get there. And this is something peculiar in human beings. We don't see too many animals making types of goals and things like that. And one of the wisdoms behind this is we're always seeking perfection. You and I are always seeking perfection within ourselves, within others around us, whether that is our familial lives, our friendships, our spouses, our children, our work lives. We're always trying to get better. And this is something that Allah has put inside us. And all of this is to remind us that the only true perfection is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are always seeking that. You know, I, I want to lo- we love perfection. We want perfection to be part of our lives. We want to find our mistakes. We want to understand what those are so we can correct them, fix them, and get better. But no matter what we do, we will remain imperfect. It's just up to us how imperfect we want to remain. And this reminds us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only perfect being. The one who is free from all faults. The one who is perfect in every aspect. And so, in the previous khutbah, we were talking about a New Year's resolution. And that resolution is not to gain something physical. Rather, it is to lose something. We want to decrease the clutter in our lives. So decreasing is actually a type of gain as well. And we see this in the life of Rasulullah the lives of the Sahaba, the pious they had very little in their physical possessions. Their physical possessions were, they can count them. They have a small space as a home. They, they know the exact amount of items that are in the home. They have a, a bed. They have a bowl. They have some grains. Very paltry, very, very small amount of things they had. They could count them. But when you look at their a'mal, their good deeds the actions they do, how they utilize their time, it's in a different plane, a different realm than what we find ourselves in. We are the opposite. 
We can count we cannot count our belongings. We don't know how much we have. How much clothes do we have? How many you know possessions do we have? How many even good things, even books, etc., electronics, all of these different things that we surround ourselves with, we can't even count them. We can't enumerate them. Which shows us how far we are from the prophetic example of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So we were talking about a New Year's resolution of decluttering, of decreasing the things that we do not need in our lives and getting more of what we do need. And that is more of Qur'an, more of Sunnah, more of getting closer to the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And doing what we were created to do. Allah has created us for His worship. That's the purpose of life. If we're busy with every other facet of life and we forget this major aspect, we don't have enough time for a'mal, then our life is forfeit. Our life is useless, basically. Because we didn't fulfill the purpose of our life. In one hadith narrated in Sahihain, Bukhari and Muslim, Anas radiallahu anhu states that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, يَتْبَعُ الْمَيْتَ الثَّلَثِ أَهْلُهُ وَمَالُهُ وَعَمَلُهُ When a person dies, they are followed by three things. So all of us will die. That is a truth that we cannot deny. And that is something that no one on this planet, unless they're delusional, will deny. It doesn't matter what faith background you come from, if you're an atheist, if you're a believer, every single individual believes and they understand that they will one day die. And this is because we look at previous generations, they came, they left, and we have examples, we're going to die. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa in this hadith says, when we do die, we don't know when that date is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that no one knows when they will die, only Allah knows when people will die. When that date comes, it could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be in 70 years from now, but it will come. That day when you and I pass away, there will be three things that follow us. Our journey is to the grave. And that is our abode. That we will be in longer than we were on, on top of the earth. We're going to be underneath the earth for longer. He says three things follow the deceased. Their family, their wealth, and their good deeds, their actions. These are the three most important things in a person's life. Because they follow them after they die. Friends are not there. Occupation is not there. Hobbies are not there. Family, wealth, and actions. And then he says two of these things will go to a certain extent, but their benefit will cease. They're not going to be fully benefiting you. And only one of the three will actually benefit you. The two things that will follow but will not benefit. He says, Two of the things, three things will follow you, two will come back. They'll follow you to the graveyard, but they will return. They're not going to stay with you. What are the two things that will follow you but then will come back? A person's family and a person's wealth will come back. So your entire family, the people that you love more than anything, your mother, your father, your children, your spouse, they will follow you. They will do your khidmah. They will serve you. They will ensure that your body is washed. It is treated with respect. 
It is shrouded in your final garment. They will follow you to the place of your burial. They will ensure that that hole is dug. They will ensure that the Salatul Janazah is performed over your body. All of the rites are fulfilled. But there will come a time where they will have to come back. They will place your body down. And after that, they will bury you, ensure that the, the dirt covers. They may stay there for a few hours. Maybe not. But eventually they're going to have to come back. They're not going to go into that hole with you. And the mal, the wealth that we hanker after, that we spend every single moment thinking about, how can I get more of this? How can I increase my wealth? As if that is the purpose of life. That won't even follow you beyond your door. When you die, you're going to be on your bed or whatever, wherever place you are. May Allah Ta'ala give us all good uh, deaths with the kalima and in a good and honorable position and not something that's disgraceful. We have no control over that. But your wealth, when you die, it will follow you to that door. That house was yours. Maybe that car, you're going to be put in a hearse. That's not even your car. So everything stops at that door. The mal is done. It's not going to help you anymore. Your family is now at your khidmah, at your service. They will follow you till you're placed in that hole. Then they will come back. Their job is done. The only good friend that you and I have, who we ignore, are real friends. What, what is a friend? That a person or a thing that is there for you in difficult times, they're there to help you. And they ensure that they're with you at all times. That's your friend. What is the friend? وَيَبْقَى عَمَلُ Nabi says, The only thing that is going to remain that will follow you into the grave. It will be with you. It won't leave your side. Is your good actions. That's the only thing. Not your family, not your wealth. And so the wisdom behind this hadith, Nabi wasallam is telling us, Utilize your time commensurate to how close these are to you. How close is your family to you? They're closer than your wealth. So spend more time with your family than you do with your wealth. Don't let your obsession for wealth and mal and dunya overcome your responsibilities and the time that you spend with your family. Likewise, that family member is only going to come to that hole. They're not going to go in there with you. Spend more time preparing, doing a'mal. That is your true friend. We don't get to speak to them. We don't get to see them. But in the grave, we will be able to see them. Allah will give them a shape and form. In another narration, another hadith, Rasulullah talks about what happens when a person dies. They're placed in their, their qabr, their grave. The soil is placed on top. When people walk away, they're 40 steps away from the grave. Two angels will come and interrogate the people in the grave. It's a very lengthy hadith. But what I want to highlight is after the interrogation. Everyone is going to be interrogated by these angels. Regardless of who they were. After that, they will see a... There's, there's, a, there's a, many different things that are going to happen. I'm skipping all of that. And mentioning that if a person did good deeds, they performed good a'mal in their life. They focused on that. They ensured that it was for only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They had ikhlas. They utilized their time wisely. They will see a very beautiful form come before them in their grave. Very handsome individual will come. And the deceased will ask them, Who are you? 
you look beautiful, you're very handsome, you're very fragrant, I'm getting good vibes from you. The individual will respond, I am your good actions. I am your a'mal. The salah you used to perform, the zakah you used to give, the hajj that you did, the fasting every, every year for the entire month of Ramadan, as well as all the nawafil, all of the extra actions, that's me. So this person is going to be given a shape. Your a'mal is going to talk to you. So that's a friend. It's going to be there with us. Is your wife going to be there? The sisters, are their husbands going to be there? Are your parents going to be there? They're not going to be there. You're going to be all alone except for your a'mal. And how long are you going to be in that grave? Most people, they spend more time in the grave than they did on top of the earth. You're going to be longer underneath the earth than you are on top. How many people passed away thousands and thousands of years ago? How long did they live? 50 years? Who did they give all of their attention to? Their family, their wealth? How much attention did they give to their a'mal that they're with right now? They're seeing that. And in the same hadith, Rasulullah tells us, if a person had bad actions, they did not perform their salah, they did not fast in Ramadan, they did not give their zakat. They did not go for hajj. They were negligent of all of the extra sunnas, the nawafil, all of the various actions that we are supposed to do. They did not recite Quran. And the worst of all, they did not have iman. If this was their situation, when they're in the grave, they will see someone very, very ugly come by them. They'll be there in the grave. Very ugly. And the person in the hadith, he says, Who are you? You're really ugly. You smelling foul, I want to stay away from you. And that person will say, I'm your bad actions. And I also dislike you, but I'm here to stay. So we get to choose who our best friends are. And in this hadith, Nabi Wasallam says three things. They follow you when you die. Your mal, your wealth, your family, and your actions. Two will come with you to a certain extent. When you go out of the home, the mal stops, it won't follow you anymore, that's it. When you go to the graveyard and that hole is being dug for you, that's it for your family. And the only thing that stays with you for the entire duration is your a'mal. They are your true friends. If only we realize that our a'mal are our friends. How, how much more will we concentrate in salah? How much more will we decide to spend that money in donations? In another hadith, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa questions the sahaba. He says, how many of you would like to give all of your wealth to your inheritors and not have any for yourself? For, to your children, to your spouses, etc. Who would like to give all of their wealth to them? So the sahaba were truthful. They said that none of us, we don't. We want to use our own wealth. They have their own. So we want to ensure that we have our own wealth. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says, all of you, will be leaving behind wealth for your inheritors. The only wealth you really have, and in another narration he mentions, is the clothing that you wore, and you tore that clothing. You used it up. It became tattered. You had to throw it away. That was yours. You used it. The food that you consumed, that was yours. And the wealth that you gave for Allah, that you spent in sadaqah, that's yours. It's written in your book of deeds. That was yours. Everything else. Now imagine, how much more do we have that we're not using? Imagine your bank accounts. Imagine your investments. Imagine all of this that you are preparing. For who? Is it for you or, or is it for your inheritors? 
So Nabi Wasallam says, this is for your inheritor. It doesn't have your name on it. In the court of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what is, whose item is this. Right? There are grains out there. Maybe there's an apple on a tree. It has your name on it. Allah knows you're going to consume that apple. Similarly, those dollars in your bank account, they have names on them. Who is going to actually use them? And you'd be surprised to see that most of them are not ours. Thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands, some people millions. It's not theirs. Yeah, we can say it's mine. You have control over it for now. But they are going to someone else. So the true thing that you have control over that is yours, is your a'mal, your good deeds. No one's going to take that away from you, inshallah. No one can steal that from you. And this is what really belongs to us. This is what we should focus on. In another narration, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, مَثَلُ بْنِ آدَمْ وَمَالِهِ وَأَهْلِهِ وَعَمَلِهِ كَرَجُلٍ لَهُ ثَلَاثَةُ إِخْوَةٍ The example of a person, their wealth, their family, and their good actions, it's like a person with three brothers. Right? So imagine, there's a person, he has three other brothers. And these three brothers represent our family, our wealth, and our good actions. فَقَالَ أَحَدُهُمْ أَنَا مَعَكَ حَيَاتَكَ One of the three brothers, he says to that brother, I'll be with you through our entire life. I'm here for you. That's a great brother. How many of us can boast that we have such brothers? They say that I'll be here for you for the entire lifetime. Whatever you need, I'm here. فَإِذَا مِتَّ فَلَسْتُ مِنْكَ وَلَسْتَ مِنِّي But once you die, then... That's where our relationship stops. I can't do anything for you anymore. He's being honest. As long as you're alive, I'm there for you. I'll do whatever you need. Once you die, that is done. So that's one brother. So alhamdulillah, what a great brother to have. وَقَالَ الْآخَرُ أَنَا مَعَكَ فَإِذَا بَلَغْتَ تِلْكَ الشَّجَرَةِ فَلَسْتُ مِنْكَ وَلَسْتَ مِنِّي Another brother says, I'm with you whenever you need me. But once you reach a certain stage... You get by, it says by this specific tree, meaning you're traveling, you get to a certain point, then I'm not going to help you anymore. And the last one says, I will be with you whether you're alive or dead. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he makes an example. He says, imagine you have three brothers. One brother says, I will be with you, but for a certain period of time, as long as you're around me, I'll be with you. Another brother says, as long as you're alive, I'm going to benefit you. I'm going to be there for you. And the third brother says, whether you're alive or whether you're dead, I'm going to be there for you. So this is the example. One is our mal. As long as it's nearby, it can benefit us. The second is our family. As long as we're alive, they will benefit us. They'll still make dua. And then the third is our actions. It'll be with us in life and in death. One time a sahabi came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and the Sahaba, mashallah, in their description, it is said that they were the least in terms of exaggeration. They wouldn't exaggerate. They wouldn't come and start saying different things in front of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and go somewhere else and say other things. They weren't people who wanted to just hear advices and not practice on them. Unfortunately, that's our condition. We go to people, we say, let me hear some nasiha. I want some advice. How much of that advice do we practice on? Zero percent. Oh, it sounds nice. I heard a nice story. I got a good lesson. But it didn't affect the life. The Sahaba were different. They would clearly come to Rasulullah and tell him, 
Give me advice and just give me one thing. I don't want all these stories and everything like that. Just give me one thing and I'll practice on that. So how much of the advice did they practice on? 100%. But it was very concise. So one sahabi, he came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and he, he asked this. He said, Ya Rasulullah, Dullani ala amal. Iza amiltu, ahabbani Allah wa ahabbani nas. Very concise. He said, tell me one action. I can't do all these thousands of actions. Just one thing. If I do this one thing, Allah and people will love me. I want Allah to love me. I want people to love me as well. So tell me, what is that secret action? This is what we all want. We want the love of people. And we want Allah to love us as well. Who doesn't want that? Who wants people to hate them? So this Sahabi wrapped up everything that he needed to say in one action. He said, Oh Rasulullah, show me one action. The Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what did he tell him? What was this golden advice? Izhad fi dunya yuhibbukallah Wazhad fi ma'indan nas yuhibbukannas Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told him Abstain from the dunya and you will get Allah's love. Decrease what you own in dunya for the sake of Allah and you will have His love. Go home, look at something that you don't need and say, I'm selling it, I'm giving it away. This is for you, O Allah, because Rasulullah said, If I abstain from this, I will get closer to you. If that is your intention, through your zuhud, through your abstinence, you will get a piece of the love of Allah. The more you do this, the more you disincline towards the dunya, the closer you get to Allah. So that's step one. How we get the love of Allah? Decline from dunya. Who amongst us can say that? We live in a world now where it doesn't even make sense that a person will willingly step away from dunya. If people are poor, that's because they couldn't make it. Not because they chose to be poor. We don't find people who choose poverty. Who chooses poverty? <laughs> Rasulullah chose poverty. This was his example. He was an individual who chose poverty. We cannot find people like this anymore. Nowadays, if you're, if you're poor, it's because there's something wrong with your intellect, you're just unfortunate, you're not lucky, you don't know how to have a business plan. But the Sahaba, they had the capability of having millions. Some of them were extremely rich, but they gave everything away. They chose poverty. This is what Rasulullah taught. This is what he's saying here. If you choose poverty, Allah will love you. And how do you get the love of people? Wazhad fi nas, nas. Abstain from what people have and they'll love you. This is very deep. What do people have? People have three things. In another hadith, Nabi says, People have three things that are haram for other people. Stay away from these three. And Nabi says, Here people will love you. Maluhum, wa'irduhum, wadamuhum. Three things that people have. Number one, in terms of importance, their life. Don't harm people. Don't physically harm people. They're dumb. Dumb means blood. Do not physically harm people. That's step one. How you get the love of people. Step two is their dignity. Do not take from a person's dignity. Don't speak bad in front of them. Don't speak bad about them behind them. Want well for people. Make dua for them. Be nice to them. Smile at them. And number three, their wealth. Do not make them feel like their wealth is in danger. Otherwise they will hate you. People love the dunya. Even family members, if they feel like their wealth is at stake, they will prefer their wealth over you. Unfortunately, this is how it is. 
So Nabi Wasallam says, Stay away from what people own, they will love you. Now, this is the value of dunya to us. We value it more than anything. Wealth, mal, dollars, all of this. This means power. We want more and more. But Nabi Wasallam is saying that if you can sacrifice something you love, for your declaration for something you love more. This is a test. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's not easy to say I love Allah. In the beginning of Surah Al-Ankabut, Allah says, do people think that they can say, Amanna, I believe in Allah. I love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I love Rasulullah. I love being a Muslim. Do you think you can say that and you're not going to be tested? Allah says. There is a test. And that Allah is constantly testing you, testing us, testing you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says there is a definite test. And, and are we passing the test right now? We're in the test. Whether you feel it or not, this is a test right now. Every single thing that we do, every decision, that is a multiple choice question. And Allah is asking us right now, do this or do that. There's only one answer. What is closer to what Allah wants? That's the correct answer. Sometimes Allah will ask us a multiple choice question. All of them are halal. One is better than the others. That's the correct answer. So Allah is always testing us. And in Surah Al-Ankabut, He says, you cannot say that you are a Muslim without Allah testing you. He will definitely test you. So this entire life is a test. We need to be able to give something we love to, t- to attain a higher love. If we declare that I love Allah, I love Rasulullah, I love deen, I love Islam. And there's a famous dua that Nabi Wasallam told us. We should read it every day. Even though we don't feel all the way like that, inshallah Allah will give us this feeling. رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّا وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ رَسُولًا وَنَبِيًّا I am happy with Allah as my Rabb. I'm pleased. I'm so happy that Allah is my Lord. I'm so happy that Islam is my deen. And I'm so happy that Rasulullah is my Rasul, my, the Messenger of Allah, who I profess to follow. This is a dua we should read on a daily basis. Inshallah, Allah will give us that love. Now, this whole concept of, of abstinence, right? It's so difficult to understand this because our environment that we live in right now is completely contradictory to that. We do not live in an environment that is conducive to the values of Islam. Islam wants us to give up, not to attain more. Not because we cannot attain we should have the qualities to be able to attain more and more. We should be intellectuals. We should be everything positive. But we should give up for the sake of Allah. We claim to love Allah. But on the other hand, Allah has created the love of mal, wealth, family, all of this in our hearts. All of us have this. We all desire to be better. We want to get perfection. We want more wealth. So Allah wants to see if you really love Allah, can you give up something that you really do love? For the love that you profess. You're saying I love Allah, but your actions are showing that you love mal. Give up your mal for Allah, and this will be a true declaration of love. What is the position of dunya to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? In one hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لَوْ كَانَتِ الدُّنْيَا تَعْدِلُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ جَنَاحَ بَعُوضًا مَا سَقَى كَافِرًا مِنْهَا شَرْبَةَ مَا If the dunya, the value of the dunya, right? what is it to us? It's everything. The dunya is everything to us. We'll give up everything. You see people giving up their own families just so they can have a piece of dunya. What is it really worth in the sight of Allah? 
Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said in this hadith narrated by Imam Ibn Majah as well as Imam At-Tirmidhi if this dunya was worth even the wing of a mosquito the wing of a mosquito that's so small we can't even see it if you step on it you won't know if you crush a mosquito what do you see? you can't make out that wing it's so tiny if it, the dunya was worth even that much to Allah then Allah would be so protective over his wealth that he would not give any kufar a drop of water. Allah would say that you don't believe in me and this dunya is valuable, so why should I give you water? This water belongs to Muslims. That's if the dunya was equal to the wing of a mosquito to Allah. In reality, it's nothing. That's why you see the kufar and those people who disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in such good conditions, because Allah doesn't care. Let them have. Let them have as much as they want. And when you look at Rasulullah he has nothing. He's sleeping on a straw mat. He doesn't even have a bed. The asceticism, the zuhud, the abstinence of Rasulullah and the sahaba are to a degree that we can't even fathom. And this is because they had more faith in the hereafter. If I give up this comfortable bed today, I'll have a more comfortable bed tomorrow in Jannah. The more we decrease and we declutter, the more we get... As long as it's for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In another narration, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa talks about the reality of what we own. We feel like we own so many things. We have nice clothing. We have a nice car. We have a nice family. We have a nice home. You feel good when you reflect over these things. What do we really own? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, يَقُولُ abd Mali Mali. A person says, My wealth, my wealth. Now, people don't really physically say this. They're continuously thinking about this. They're thinking about my wealth. How do I increase? How do I preserve? How do I use in the proper manner? You become very happy when you see a nice bank account. You become really happy when you see a fat check. This is what we're always thinking about. يَقُولُ abdu mali mali. Have so much mal. وَإِنَّمَا لَهُ مِنْ مَالِهِ الثَّلَاثِ And he says, you only own three things out of all of the wealth that you profess that you have. That huge bank account. All of that stuff you have at home. What you own is only three out of all of that. مَا أَكَلَ فَأَفْنَى What you have eaten and you have used up. أَوْ لَبِسَ فَأَبْلَى Or you've worn and the clothing is worn out. You used it up. أَوْ أَعْطَى فَاقْتَنَى مَا سِوَى ذَلِكْ فَهُوَ ذَاهِبٌ وَتَارِكُهُ لِلنَّاسِ The third thing is that which you have utilized and spending for the sake of Allah. That is preserved. Everything else you're going to leave behind. You're leaving all of that behind. And regarding the harms of loving dunya, there's many other ahadith I would like to share, but I'll cut it with this narration. In one hadith, Nabi Wasallam talks about the harms of loving dunya. In another narration that I mentioned before, that loving dunya is the source of all sin. حُبُّ الدُّنْيَا رَأْسُ كُلِّ خَطِيئَةً Rasulullah says, the source of every single sin that we have, every vice that we find within ourselves, it comes from loving dunya. If you can take that out of the heart, then you are successful. You are close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you will not commit sin anymore. In another narration, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says in this hadith narrated by Imam al-Tirmidhi, if you were to release two hungry, ferocious wolves 
on a flock of sheep. Can you imagine that for a moment? Two starving wolves. You've held them back. They haven't eaten for days. And you have a flock of sheep. You release these two. What are they going to do to that flock? They're going to cause havoc. He says, that is less dangerous. It's less dangerous than the greed that a person has over their mal, their wealth, and their desire for recognition. These are the two things that haunt us. These are the two things that are preventing us from getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our love for wealth and our love for recognition. Our love for wealth causes us to hanker after that, to decrease our a'mal. We don't do good actions because we're too busy gaining wealth. And our love for recognition. Whenever we end up doing that one good action that is very rare for us to do, we want others to see it. What do you have at the end of the day? You donated a you know a thousand dollars. That's so hard for you to do, because you rarely do it. But then when you donated it, you wanted people to see. What then do we have? So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, your love for your wealth and your love for recognition is more harmful to your religion, to your deen, to your ple- to the pleasure of Allah, than two wild beasts released upon a flock of sheep. This is the danger of loving dunya. So if we're going to make a resolution, inshallah, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq to decrease from the dunya, our love for dunya, to, to allow us to think about the hereafter and understand that every time I decrease a little bit from the dunya, I got a little bit of the akhirah. And this is how we gain the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala ala khayri khalqihi Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Wa rahmatika ya arhamar rahmeen.